Welcome to another episode of The Atypical Rainbow. I'm Paul. And I'm Grant. Uh, and this is an episode in the series Gaily Life and the triplet, or perhaps the second cousin of the previous two episodes, um, where we're going to explore the depictions of bigotry in media. Okay, so the reason this came up for me was that I was reading the graphic novel of Lock and Key, Welcome to Lovecraft, which is the first of the graphic novels, which recently turned into a TV show uh, just called Lock and Key, which season one is out and I imagine season two will come at some point. Mm. Now, in uh, Lock and Key, the uncle, who's not a major character, is gay. Um, And I knew that from the show because I'd seen the show. Then I was reading the comic. And there's a point where there was a flashback to the mum basically being homophobic to her brother-in-law where she asked her husband why don't we live in key house and he says the house didn't choose me it chose duncan and she said well that makes sense the fairy princess should have his enchanted castle and there's no follow-up to that there's no person saying no that's not appropriate her husband laughs at her comment and The world just moves on. And I think the thing I found weirdest about it was that I can't think of another example recently where there was bigotry depicted in a show that wasn't criticised. So we were recently watching Sex Education. And in the first episode or two, there was a lot of homophobia from one character thrown at a gay character. And at one point, one of the, the sort of the other gay character who's in the show said homophobia, that's so 2008. And so he called him out on it. And that's kind of what I expect these days. Like if someone in a show, like unless it's a very bizarre show that, you know, is not for main audiences. If someone's racist or sexist or homophobic, I've kind of come to expect that they will be criticised about it, or they'll be a bad character. They're meant to be a bad person Mm. for being bigoted. Whereas in Lock and Key, having seen the show, I quite like the mum. Like, she's, I quite like her as a character, and there's nothing other than the homophobia in that one flashback in the novel, in the graphic novel, that would make me question that she was a good person. And look, I think that might be have been a deliberate choice on the part of the, I guess, the TV show creators, because just with a bit of background, Locking Key had been in development hell for, I think, close to five to six years, if not more. Uh, And then I don't know when the original graphic novel came out, uh, but having watched the show and quite enjoyed the show myself and you describing what you've read, there are a number of changes that have happened between the the graphic novel and the show. And I think mm-hmm. probably what they did was they took away a lot of the sharp edges. Um, and it's because the mum in Lock and Key, played by Darby Stanchfield, who is great, and you may, if anyone's watched Scandal, she plays Abby Whelan. So it's a, I highly recommend the show. She is depicted as this sort of gentle, kooky you know, well-meaning mum. And, and it's, you you like her. There's, there are no abrasive edges about her. Mm. She has um, a past history of alcoholism. But you don't necessarily see the extent of it or the ramifications of it. It's just sort of part of her backstory. So whether or not that's going to be represented further is hard to tell. But there's definitely no hint that she has any 
bigotry or any sort of um, prejudice towards anyone, really. But yeah, like, I, I feel like it's, yeah, like, kind of that thing where can you have a character who is a good character but just happens to be racist? Or just happens to be homophobic? Or just happens to be sexist? It depends on how you define that, uh, you know, happens to be. So let, let's use sex education as an example, which um, we only started watching recently, but I, I really love sex education. I think it's a really good show. But the character of Adam, who is the bully and the homophobe, is going on a, a journey of redemption. Uh, over the course of season one, you're gradually seeing that, you know, he's he's uh, always felt quite inferior and is treated poorly by his father and all kinds of negative stuff. Um, I personally am having issues with him as a character and whether or not he's meant to be sympathised with because I don't like bullies. I find the picture of any sort of bully just makes me want to punch them in the face. So when a character like this goes on a redemption arc, irrespective of what the hatred or bigotry is, I don't cope with it very well and I struggle to feel endeared towards them. I don't I don't necessarily care what their background is because often that's the, ex- the the excuse for bullying. There's like, oh, had a hard family life or went through this kind of trauma. And I'm like, no, you can choose, make choices. You can choose to act differently. You might have some anger, sure, and you have the right to be angry if your situation is really crappy. That part I get. But to then make it an excuse to take it out on essentially complete strangers, I think is garbage and I think is unacceptable. So it's it's difficult for me to re- to look at something, this is someone who does something that's blatantly bigoted, whether it's homophobia, racism, whatever, um, without... It, it's always going to be like a, like, um, like a poison. That no matter how good they end up being or whatever story they end up being, there's always going to be the little part of me that goes... I don't think you really deserve this because you are a horrible person. I don't care why you're a horrible person, but whatever good comes of this, you did not earn. So, like, another example, I think, that ties sort of... I actually have two, but we'll start We'll start with this one. Uh, that kind of ties to the same idea as sex education um, or, or lock and key is um, Stranger Things. So in Stranger Things Season 2, they introduced a bully character called Billy from memory. Mm, yeah. And it's like Stranger Things is set in the 1980s, but there is no racism to the main black character other than from Billy, because Billy is a bad guy. Mm. None of the good characters have that sort of racism that was just quite common in the 80s. Like they just didn't think about it. Like, you know, the racism of, you know, um, lower expectations or things like these these sort of subconscious racisms like there's no gay characters in stranger things so it's not what well, no, there is um the the ice cream girl played by maya hawk I can't oh yes actually there is yeah. there there is um rainbow representation and the good characters are fine with the fact that she's gay <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right um so the good characters are fine with black people in the 80s but yeah. the bad guy is not mm. the bad guy is the only racist person um, who even shows, you know, the base level um, suburban racism that was people experienced in the 80s. Mm. Um, and the other one that we recently watched was Hamilton, mm-hmm. where in Hamilton, basically any good character was either anti-slavery 
on their stance on slavery was not mentioned. Mm. Even though these were historical figures. But the bad guys, they 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 were pro-slavery. Mm. And the bad guys were allowed to be pro-slavery, whereas the good characters who were actually based on people who had slaves. Yes. <laughs> uh, their stance on slavery or their use of slavery was not mentioned. Mm. Um so it kind of does make me think, like, uh, can we have characters who, even in historical periods, show these sorts of feelings? Um, and as you, or as you said, are they poisoned? Mm. Like, basically, as soon as a character is homophobic, even to the extent of one line in a, in a flashback, in the case of Nina, Nina Locke, or, you know, more in the case of sex education or Stranger Things, are they poisoned forever? And therefore, we can't have people who are just a little bit racist or a little bit homophobic. It's hard. So, one of the... We were talking a bit about the, the subtle subtle racism in particular, subtle bigotry, and I think... I mean, I, this is a reference point for me because I've been watching a lot of it, but if we look at 90s and 80s sitcoms, there is a lot of that. There is a lot of uh, casual... Well, casual homophobia, I think, is what I note mm-hmm. a lot. And I don't think this is the right term, but gay fright. Yeah. So the idea that, you know, when two men interact with each other in a way that is perceived to be gay, it is a, a point of fear. Right? So they, mm-hmm. they freak out or they, they avoid it. Ah, oh, it's so funny. They were almost gay. You're like, no, that's not well, really how it works. Well, she had almost complete gay fright, but the good characters were against it. Oh, okay. What, what do you... I don't so know. there was an episode of Cheers where, um... I think it's Diane. Diane... No, not... Who was the blonde one? Diane. Yeah, so Diane was a blonde one. Rebecca was Kirstie Alley. Okay. So Diane basically said, there's two, like, there's two gay guys in here, but you wouldn't even notice it. And then they kind of wanted this hunt for who these gay guys were. Like, or like the patrons. Yeah. So it was just Diane and Sam were saying, stop being ridiculous. Um, and they're basically, yeah, trying to not let Cheers be taken over by the gays. Mm. Um, and, yeah, so it was basically they're panicking about, you know... Gay panic! That's the word I'm gay panic. Yeah, it's gay panic. Yeah. Like, it wasn't quite to the point where someone, like, murdered a gay person for being hit on. Yeah. Which is the worst version of that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they actually were like, oh, no. And I think, um, what's the other one? Murphy Brown had a bit of it. But, once again, the good characters were... Pro gay people. Yeah. Same. So Golden Girls. And Golden Girls, I think, wasn't it? Um, like Sophia was like really good at calling other people out on being homophobic, even though she's like the oldest. So there was an episode where one of Dorothy's friends comes to visit because again, it's always the cousin or the friend who visits that brings in the special issue of the week. Um, and this character's wife had recently died. Mm-hmm. And she then started uh, feeling very att- attracted to Blanche. And so there was a cold conversation about um, about the fact that she was a lesbian. How is the secret? Then something gets revealed. Uh, but then Blanche goes, uh, she wasn't. She wasn't. Although she's from su- she's southern, she wasn't. You know, homophobic. She was just really offended that no, th- no. Sorry, the the character, the guest character falls in love with Rose. And Blanche gets offended by the fact that she's not the one that Jean is attracted to. So and so they, they treat it very positively. And, and it's not about the the gay panic. It's just, why I'm prettier than Rose is. Why aren't you attracted to me? 
so they, again, they, they, the four of them are always the points of reason, or at the very least, they get to the point, um, they, they learn a lesson. But yes, it was quite remarkable that Sophia, of all of them, was the one who was the least surprised and who cared the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, once again, looking at the 80s, it might have been true, but it was a I imagine that it wasn't culturally normal for that to happen. Yes. But I, yeah, I think lack of bigotry has become associated with good characters, and bigotry has been become associated with bad characters. Which is, you know, looking at it from two perspectives. One is that you want positive representation in the media. You know, the idea is that we don't in media that generally, generally don't want us to sympathise with people who are bigoted, no matter what the, the source of the bigotry is. The other part of it, I imagine, is the industry itself. I think the arts generally attracts a lot of people of diverse backgrounds, culturally, se- sexually, gender-wise. And so, in that kind of feeling of representation, it, it often comes out in the stories. And obviously, you have your pockets of conservative media, like, you know, the, the Mormons have this whole massive... Um, movie industry based off very religious stories, like romantic stories, but still within the realm of religion. Um, but for the most part, I think that's why often the arts is associated with liberalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, so it doesn't surprise me that from a social perspective, media is, you know, the, the pro- most progressive um, art form. Well, is, is, a, is a progressive art form. Yeah. But how how do you feel about, for the instance, the Nina Locke situation? I mean, look, I that that comment. While I certainly don't approve of it, it's interesting because I don't know if it necessarily taints the entire character. Because as we were talking about in the last episode about autistic representation, I think in part it comes down to intent, and it depends on the source. So. If a gay character had said that line, I probably would have been a bit more forgiving. Yeah. Whereas, um, because the uh, because it's it's this uh, straight you know heteronormative character, I'm a, I am a little bit offended. Having said that, though, because we were talking, the, the idea of bigotry came up um, as we were sort of planning all this out. We were talking about Avatar again. So we're talking about Avatar and the character of Prince Zuko. Now, Prince Zuko isn't necessarily a bigot, per se. I mean, actually, no, it depends on how you look at it, really. Um, but well, the Fire Nation could be argued to be racist. Yes, that's, that's certainly true. That's certainly true. But Prince Zuko is essentially a bully. Uh, like he's from the very beginning, he's very single-minded. He's trying to attack someone he doesn't know, and there are personal reasons. But it's interesting because obviously at the time when I watched it, I was mm, youngish, um, and I didn't necessarily have an appreciation for the ideas uh, of uh, representation and bullying and that kind of thing. And the th- like, looking back on it, I don't necessarily feel that Zuko is poisoned, knowing that he, for all intents and purposes, is a bully. Uh, at least to begin with, but then he goes to his whole redemption thing. But if I had started watching it now, I'm not necessarily sure if I would necessarily feel the same way, but I, f- I kind of fell in love with the character. Mm-hmm. And because I love the character, even if he you you change the perspective of, what, of his actions, I still kind of go, but I actually like him, and I can kind of understand it, so, so I'm happy to let it go. So Nina Locke with the one comment, rather than this overall behaviour of animosity towards Duncan, mm. mainly because the TV show depicts her as being quite a 
gentle, sweet, loving kind of person. And kick-ass. And pretty kick-ass. Yeah. I hear that comment from the graphic novel, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't think so. But because I like Nina so much. Yeah. And it's not an excuse. I'm not saying that that comment is okay for her to have said in the graphic novel, but I, f- it, it, I find it hard to then let that depiction of that comment poison the entire thing. Whereas, if we go back to Sex Education and Adam, because that is his character from the beginning... And the- but that's the thing about this. Like, if you had started with this, this is one of the first appearances of Nina Locke. Yeah, so if, if I had started with the graphic novel, I probably would have thought very, very differently. That, mm. that I certainly acknowledge. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I'm mean, thinking, sorry, I just want to go back to the 90s sitcom thing. So if we think, so again, what, I've been rewatching Friends a great deal. And so even though all those characters, for the most part, were not bigoted, there was casual homophobia. Mm-hmm. So. And, and oddly, it was it actually perpetuated all the way through. Like, I kind of thought it was just the earlier episodes, but I watched one from, like, season 8 or season 9, where Chandler talks about how much he loves the musical Oklahoma, and Monica, you know, makes a gay joke. Mm. And I thought, that's not okay. Like... The, how, long, how many years have they been together by that stage? Yeah, exactly. They were married and stuff, and I'm like, alright, that's, that's, like, a, that's a, a really lazy joke. Like, just because a guy likes musicals, therefore, there's the, the the risk that he might be gay, and it's your husband. Like, just, the whole thing was not And funny. also, with Chandler's dad being... It was, was Chandler's dad gay? It's un... No, sorry. sorry. His dad was gay. It was it gay, It's yes. unclear whether he was transgender or yeah. a transvestite. Yes. All the implications would suggest that he was certainly gay... And he liked to dress up in women's clothing. Yes. Because he came to the wedding dressed as a woman. Yes. But he was also played by Kathleen Turner, who is a woman. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think they chose Kathleen Turner because she has this really deep, sultry kind of voice. Mm. And But again, this was the 90s, so surprise, surprise. Um, Not okay. But they did a similar thing with, um, was it Trans America? Where was... Yeah, Felicity Huffman. Yeah. Played a trans woman. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Because when was that? That was... Early 2000s, I want to say. I want to say early 2000s, yeah. Mm. Um, So we know better now. We we, we certainly know better now. I mean, with people like Scarlett Johansson turning down roles, admittedly, after being completely lambasted for doing it, but, um, you know, people like turning down... We are understanding the importance of um, appropriate casting Mm -hmm. uh, much better now. So and and you know I th- I'm I'm every every bloody article and TV news website talks about the idea of you know can we blame history for being history and you're kind of like some people will say yes you can blame it and they should have known better and other people are like well yeah okay but we can't change history can't we just do better now and I I think I lean more towards the latter is that I, re- I acknowledge that historically there have been some real problems but at least we're getting better and at least we're growing as a society rather than going. Um, you know, oh, well, we should therefore forget the history ever happened. Well, no, we need to learn from history and mm. then build from it. And it, I, I guess this contradicts my whole poisoning thing, but does that one thing necessarily... Does, does this issue with gay panic in a handful of episodes of Friends necessarily negate the entire series? And I would argue that it doesn't. But once again, I think I have a nostalgia for it in that I, I, I grew up with that show. Therefore, I'm willing to forgive, to some extent, the history of it and the, and the, the issues around it because I enjoy the parts that have nothing to do with the, 
you know, the casual mm. prejudice that was rampant throughout, you know, you know, culture then. I guess one of the things is that um, we have reacted quite negatively to YouTube videos that probably made similar jokes to Friends. Mm. Like when our kids have watched YouTube videos and started using gay derogatory. Yeah. By copying the YouTube videos. I guess that could have also happened if they watched Monica make that joke. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I know that um, when I was young, I... I mean... Uh, I think not. Not that I know this is part of autism. I mean, I'm sure um, a lot of pe- a lot of people do this, but I know that I used to uh, copy the phrasing of a lot of shows mm. without really understanding the context of it. Like, I, it sounded funny. I heard the laugh track. I thought it was kind of funny. I thought I understood it. Then I'd use it, and without really uh, being able to grasp the depths or the cultural significance of any of it, so it's entirely possible. That that's what happens to the kids, and I, I certainly don't blame them for it. But oh no, they, they had no idea what they were repeating. But I think the point is, we we say, oh yeah, Friends was fine. But then if someone, if the kids watch something now that does the exact same thing, we're like, no, that's not fine. Yeah, stop watching that YouTube channel. Yeah, I mean, in a way, and this is this is broadening it out a lot. Is at you know with um with people you like. So we're looking at it from a social perspective. If someone you knew really well said something that was, you know, uh, could be perceived as offensive. Does that necessarily destroy the entire friendship? Or does that... Um, do, or are you willing to forgive them if they can are willing to... Or do you give them a chance to recognise their flaw? I think it's probably the better point. Yes. I guess with a real person as opposed to a fictional character, you can actually have a conversation with them. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you could write to the creators saying, I know you're like six books in now, but could you really just have Nina apologise to Duncan? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, like, so, how would you feel if instead of Nina Locke, it was actually one of my sister-in-laws? I don't know. Uh, because I guess if it was a family member that I was, was uh, related to, but emotionally distant from, I think I probably would rather just not deal. Mm-hmm. Like, so... And, and again, this might be an autism thing because I, I can be very black and white about it. Like, I've, I've been told a lot that I tend to cut friends off at my life very quickly if I just don't like what they do. Um, I think that if it was a family member, while I would struggle with the decision to get them out of my life, I probably couldn't deal with it if they were in my life. If that's all I knew about them. Like, if, if we weren't that close and this was an identifying feature, like this is, you know, you, when you build a, a picture of someone, you start with a few first impressions and a few base facts. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if I had a, a full picture of the person and then there's, this was an added feature, I might be more forgiving. Yeah. But if it was one of your sister-in-laws, not that either of them are, of course, but if it was one of them, uh, I'd probably would just say actually i don't want to talk to them or see them and family functions i'm out like i just i can't i can't handle it i'm not interested in dealing with it i don't get enough out of the friendship or the relationship to really make it worth it so bye (laughs) yep that's me would you if they're listening you're on thin ice (laughs) yeah yeah. no not thin ice you're always on the verge of being cut from my life you do one thing wrong and you are gone everyone including me might be Some of my friends are like, I think Paul might just cut me out of his life if I do the wrong thing. And I'm like, oh, well. <laughs> That's oh, just who Paul so is. so true. It's so true. Um, would what, you? Like, what would you do? If Not that I have a, a sibling, but if it was, like, like a really I'm super forgiving. 
Yeah. I, I would, um, yeah, I'd forgive. Like, there, there's been instances where people have been mean to me and you have held more of a grudge about them being mean to me than I have held a grudge about them being mean to me. Very true. Yes. Yeah. I might err on the opposite end where I might just keep someone in my life who's not, who shouldn't be in my life. Mm. So that's the mistake I'd probably make. I'd be too slow to cut someone from my life. Mm. So yeah, I think that's the difference. So what if Nina Locke, somehow her brother-in-law was black and she'd used the N-word? Oh, wow. We keep we keep diving into race, which makes it so uncomfortable. Okay. Um, no, it, like, it, look, it is it is important to talk about it. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I Do you was... think that anyone these days would write a character who uses the N-word as, like, a white person? Who uses the N-word and be surprised if the audience was negative to them. What do you mean? Like, as, like, do you think there's any TV writer or showrunner who would think that they could have a white character use the N-word? Oh, and not not make a point of it, you mean? And not make a point of it and not poison the character. Hell no. Hell no. No, 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 no. No white, no white character can ever use that word in current, in the current climate of media without it being a point. Yeah. Um, so there was a show, uh, a TV show based on a movie, and I'm trying to remember what it was called. Um, it was the one set in the college. You and I watched a handful of episodes, and I tried persistently. Oh, um, stuff white people? Yeah, um, uh, Dear White People. Dear White People. So, Dear White People, right? It was a, a sitcom. It wasn't even a sitcom. I don't, I don't even want to call it. It's a half hour comedy drama show. Uh, and it was all about race. Mm-hmm. So predominantly uh, black cast, uh, but talking, you know, talking about how, about the issues around race and how it presents and the different perspectives and all that. And it was, it was a well-written show to explore the issues, but as a comedy, I think it just, it, it was too intense for me. I think I, I didn't know how to handle it because I didn't understand it. And that's the truth because I haven't really experienced it. Mm-hmm. But on that show... Pretty much the majority of white characters were villains, uh, and so, and but you know and whenever there were they did discuss discuss blackface and they talked mm-hmm. about um, the n word, and it was it, it, you know it, you can't use it you can't you, obviously that showed the whole point was they explored why these behaviors were problematic and why these behaviors were not acceptable uh, depending on which one you're talking about of course. And so I think that show certainly made a point of that. So no, I don't think any non-black character can ever use that word without it being a a topic of the week. Mm-hmm. There w- there have been some sitcoms and shows in the past. So I think Atlanta in its pilot episode addresses this a little bit. There's a white character who speaks in a way that is imitates black people. Let's say. But he only does it to this one, to the main character whose name is Ern. Mm-hmm. But when he is addressing three black people who are all together, he su- his language completely changes to be more generically white. Okay. And that, but that's that's part of the joke. Part of the joke is that he's for some reason feels um, inappropriately comfortable to appropriate black language around Ern, but recognizes that it's not okay around multiple black people and really the, the point is that it shouldn't he, it shouldn't matter whether it's one or three people he just shouldn't have been doing it yeah that, that does make me think of some of my friends who might make jokes around me that they wouldn't make around the two of us really 
Yeah, because they know that I don't care. Mm. Um, but does that necessarily make it okay that they do it at all? I don't know. Like, it it, it can be a hard one. And it made me think of um, a wedding we were at where um, there was a homophobic joke in the father of the bride's speech. Mm. And the bride said, oh, yeah, he asked me. And I said, you guys were cool and you wouldn't be offended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is sweet. We're apparently very laid back. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, don't, I feel like that missed the point. Mm. Um, I think that in that case, it wasn't a great joke. Which is, and, and it comes back to what I was saying. Well, I can't remember whether it was this episode or the last episode. But it, with, with comedy, right? It's, it's it's worse it's worse if a joke a, a joke being offensive is bad enough it's even worse if it's not funny if it were funny then there's for some reason for some reason there's an element of forgiveness there's an element of okay I, that that made me laugh I, I don't like it but I can kind of accept it so where's the line and why does that necessarily make it okay and that's not me saying that's not a rhetorical question I genuinely don't know the answer to the question why does that make it okay because I I know I feel it I just don't know why I think I think knowing your level of friendship is a big thing and I think that is something very difficult for autistic people mm. uh, which I think can cause some perceived rudeness because they make jokes that are fine with one person but they don't realise why it's fine with that one person. Yeah. So, like, with my friends, there's a lot of jokes about the fact that I am a bad gay because I don't have good fashion sense. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there's a lot of jokes around the fact that I'm kind... Like, they used to say... They used to describe it as I'm, like, just a straight guy who just happens to be with men. (laughs) Yeah. Like, this idea that there's nothing particularly gay about me other than the fact that I'm married to a man. (laughs) Sure. I, I don't dress well. I don't have fashion advice for them. I don't, you know, take their girlfriend shopping. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fine for my friends to make those jokes. But I think when someone else makes jokes about, get, like, makes gay jokes at me, I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, you don't know me. <laughs> yeah. And and intent. I think it, it comes back to intent. And it's hard in me. But the intent, like, so if they made the joke to me when it's just me. And they made the joke to me when we're both there. It's the exact same intent, but it might be inappropriate to make it around you. I guess they wouldn't necessarily know. I mean, I... I, I would like saying, it's not entirely about intent. It is a bit about audience. Yeah, yeah. And with, with popular media of any sort, the problem is everyone is an audience. There's always... You, you never quite know who's going to watch something or listen to something. Yeah. And so, do you necessarily censor yourself from the beginning or do you just as as we're, we're kind of pointing out do you have the character make a bigoted comment but make a point to say actually that's have another character say that's not okay yeah yeah so i mean we can't unfortunately as much as we'd like to we can't deny the existence of bigotry it happens it mm. exists it's not good it's not okay but it does exist so in media how do we represent it how do we put it out there just to acknowledge its existence but find a way to uh, i don't know disempower it i guess well i guess the main thing that people are doing is that bigoted characters are the bad guys yeah like villains can be bigoted Mm. and that's kind of accepted yeah but i think i think it is a harder call to have bigoted characters not be the bad guys yeah 
And it, I, like, I commend anyone who does make that attempt and, and tries to make a nuanced character. So, once again, coming back to sex education, because that's the the most recent example I can think of. We've only, we've only just finished season one, so I don't know what's going to happen in season two, which is already out on Netflix. But I'd anticipate that Adam as a character is going to become more rounded. I say rounded instead of well-rounded because, again, I don't know... With how awful he was, particularly in the pilot episode, I think the pilot episode, he was the kind of the case of the week, mm-hmm. and he was a particularly awful person. Subsequent episodes featured him less and less and less and less. Like, he just wasn't really featured that much. And then when he did appear, there were attempts to make him somewhat more sympathetic. Uh, and some some episodes where he's like, no, we, we need him to be a, a jerk in this episode, let's make him a jerk. I don't know how they're going to handle his storyline in season two, or whether or not... I will necessarily accept his redemption arc because of how truly awful he was in the first ep- first episode particularly, but also in subsequent episodes. Yes. But they're, they're becoming more rounded. They kind of tried that with Billy in Stranger Things. Yeah, that But they never really me. tried to make him a good guy entirely. Yeah, like, I think that's where I struggle a little bit. So, and maybe that's the trick, is that you can't have a redemption arc... Um, fulfill itself at the end. So, spoiler alert for people who have not seen season four of Stranger Things. I think it's season four. Season I think three. it's season three. Season three. At the end of season three, Billy sacrifices himself to save everyone. He sacrifices himself in a, in a kind of not not very special way, but he does it nonetheless. But it's meant to be this whole, you know, I am not as bad as everyone thinks I am. This is how I'm going to make up for it. But actually, even leading up to that point, he's just a terrible person. Part of it is because he's, spoiler alert, possessed. Um, part of it is that he is abused, has, was abused by his dad. But I think the difference is that if you have a bad character, like a, a, a bigoted or mean character... And you set you let them continue to be that way, but give them an excuse. It's like, oh, this character has suffered trauma. Okay, cool. We're gonna keep him as being the bully and being the bad guy, but but that's the reason, guys. And you just accept it. Versus saying, well, this is the crappy thing that led them to this point, but now they're trying to be better because of the love of another person, or because of friendship, or because mm-hmm. of whatever it may be. Then maybe that's more acceptable. Like, as I'm saying it, I'm thinking of Catra from She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Like, she is a pretty awful person and a bully to a lot of the other side characters. But at the end, you kind of go, oh, well, actually, because of your connection and because you're trying and because you're, you know, you're, you're, you know, making amends, maybe I can accept the fact that for the past four seasons, you've done nothing but try to destroy everyone's life and try to sneak into things and try to ruin the world because you were angry. Like, I don't know. I think it does depend on how you handle it. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think it does depend. But it is hard. Mm. Yeah, it is hard to go from actual bigotry. Uh, like, Catra's bigotry... Actually, was Catra ever bigoted? It's a bit unclear. Adora was bigoted through propaganda. And arguably Catra was... was to some degree too. Like anyone there, in there the was an implication was early on that... Adora's like, oh, Catra, now that you see the truth, that it was all lies, you'll join my side. And Catra's like, what are you talking about? Like, it was obvious that we're the bad guys. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Adora, like, it was implied that she was racist, 
because she because of propaganda and misinformation. Mm. And the catcher was in a way racist, despite the fact she knew the propaganda wasn't real. Mm. Uh, it was never super clear, but that was kind of meant to be the um, indication, which is why knowledge made Adora not racist, but knowledge did not do the same thing to the catcher. Fair enough. I hadn't thought about that, but that's certainly true. Mm. So I guess, look, I, I, it's it's hard. I, I guess when we're talking about depictions of bigotry, in at least in current media, I think as long as we try to push forward, I can see why bigotry is a good drama engine. But I guess it's about figuring out what you're going to do with it, whether it is a visiting character who is just a villain and who will eventually leave or be eradicated or whatever, or if you are going to have a character that you'd like to, you know, uh, build and and redeem with through through plot, then you really it can't simply be that they. Um, that you give them an excuse and then leave them as it is. They have to become a better person and recognise their flaws and recognise their prejudices and at least make efforts to improve. Even if they get it wrong sometimes, that's somewhat okay, I guess. But they, but ultimately, they have to come to the conclusion that what they did and the way they were was not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I don't know whether there's going to be any resolution in lot. Lock and key, but if there is, I'll tell everyone in the podcast at some stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, thanks for listening. If you have any other thoughts about uh, depictions of bigotry in media, let us know at on Facebook and Instagram at the Atypical Rainbow. Uh, we look forward to hearing your comments and thoughts. Thanks very much, and we'll talk to you next time.